Hey, business building warrior, this is Jim, Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to diving into a subject that's received some great feedback. We've done a few episodes now. You can scroll back in time if you didn't catch those, where I've talked about leadership from an e-commerce vantage point. The premise being, again, as I've mentioned on those previous handful of recent episodes, the premise being that there's a lot of great books and content out there about leadership. The last thing we need is more leadership content, right? There's a million books. But I haven't seen that content focused specifically on what it's like to lead in an e-commerce environment where you rarely see face-to-face the people and the relationships that you're dealing with. That does create some unique leadership challenges. Leadership in the era of social media. What should I be putting on Facebook? What are the rules here? What does it look like to grow a business and lead in e-commerce? And just so there's no mistake, if you're in business, you are a leader. Because one of the definitions I'm using of leadership for this for this series, in my mind, one of the one of the definitions I've had for a long time out of necessity is someone who leads is someone who helps others come to a decision point based on their influence and input. If you're helping others get on a path that they wouldn't otherwise be on, that's leadership. It could be buying something, spending money. Sales is a leadership role. You're leading people towards a decision point. And a good leader always leads people towards being in a better situation than they were before they encountered the leader. A good leader replicates other leaders in their wake. Leadership produces leadership, right? A good leader sacrifices self to provide better for those who he, whom he's leading, right? These are basic leadership concepts that you can read anywhere. Any kind of biblical-based leadership foundational study is going to teach those kind of basic concepts of what it means to lead well. That's the foundation we're using here. And if you're not sure why I use that foundation, go back and listen to episode zero. I explained quite a bit about why that biblical foundation is, is so important here. Again, regardless of your worldview, that's the foundation I'm using. And I always like to identify what worldview foundation is someone coming from when they present their ideas to me. And if they're not sure, that's fine. That's a fair answer. I don't know. I just common sense, I guess. That's cool. Well, I don't just use common sense because that can mean 15 things to 15 different people. I use the time-tested, proven, and I talk a lot about why these are time-tested and proven concepts in that episode zero. So go back and check that out. So again, the definition of leadership, leading people towards making a good decision for themselves, for the people they care for. You're helping them down that journey. That's what leadership is. I heard one pastor one time talking about leadership and said, Some people think they're leaders, but they turn around and look over their shoulder and there's nobody following. (laughs) That's not leadership. There's no one back there making decisions based on the information and content you're creating. That's not leadership. But if you have a business, if you're selling products, these may even be people you've never met before. These may be just people buying stuff from you on Amazon. You're still in a leadership role. You're presenting products. You're presenting value, creating value to the world. And as your business grows, you certainly are going to have to develop other relationships besides just your customer base. You've heard me say many times before on this program, I'll mention it again, that one of the easiest metrics to look at if I were to determine what your best future predictors are of where you will be five years or 10 years from now in your business, 
It's what kind of relationships are you building? Show me the people you're hanging out with, the relationships you're establishing. I don't even have to meet you. Just tell me about the people you're meeting, those new relationships. Tell me about the content you're consuming. I'll tell you where you will be. Maybe the the hobbies and habits that you have. It's pretty easy to predict what trajectory you're on based on those things. So a leader is focused on intentionally, today we're specifically talking about relationships through communication, the power of your words. That's what I want to get into. Business is a leadership journey, and an important part of being a good leader is the power of the words you're using, what you type on social media, the things you say, how you communicate. That's been a theme throughout this, but I'm going to give you some very practical ideas today on what I think make for effective communicators, presenting yourself properly, putting yourself in the best position to have other people want to work with you, to look forward to working with you, to trusting you. How do you do that? Have I perfected these things? Absolutely not. But I feel like I'm a decent judge of seeing when it's being done right or wrong in my own life and in others. When people are trending in the right direction versus trending in the wrong direction. And I can give you some examples for sure. And I've referenced some of these things in the other episodes, but I've got some new content for you today that was really on my heart as I was thinking through what I wanted to share. A biblical passage that really stands out to me on this topic is Matthew 12, 36. It says basically that we will be held responsible for every idle word we speak. We'll be giving an account for every word. Why do words matter that much? They're here, then they're gone. We say them, we speak them, it's a sound we make, and then it's gone forever, right? Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what you should think of when you're when you're in a leadership role. I'm sure you can think back and remember to things that people said even when you were a small child. You know, some of the greatest hurts and greatest joys we had as, as kids growing up and some of the most influential moments we had were things people said to us. Maybe it was a hurtful thing a mean kid said on a playground or, or a kind thing that someone said, a teacher supporting you. Those things hang with us. You have the opportunity every day to say things that could hang with people, not just kids, but anyone for a very, very long time. Are you intentional about that? Are you putting things out on social media, sending messages and texts and notes to people? You're, you have a huge opportunity every single day to do that. I remember I was in the, I probably would have been ninth grade. Yeah, I was, so I would have been around 15 or so. And I just had my first basketball game at a, in, on the, in the junior varsity team at a school, in, in high school. And a teacher that I barely knew, he was actually the coach of the varsity team. He had been at the game. I didn't even realize that. He'd seen me play. And just in passing, in the hallway, I remember this was before school started. I was just outside the school getting ready to go, in down, a, go down a hallway. And he walked past me and, and he just stopped and he said, Jim, I didn't even know he knew my name. I was like, yes, sir. And he said, you're going to be a star. I saw you play last night. That was a good game. That hung with me. I remember that to this day. And it ignited something inside of me that hangs with me. And, and I don't think about it every day, obviously, but it ignited inside of me a love and a passion for a sport that at the time, yeah, I liked it, but I didn't necessarily love it. But come to find out, I was kind of decent, picking up on it fairly quickly. And I still to this day play. And that was many years ago. That was a long time ago. And it hung with me. That's the power of words spoken. Had he decided to say nothing, it wouldn't be counted against him. Had he decided to say something degrading or demoralizing, like, dude, you need to pick up a different sport, man, just kind of half joking with me, that would have hung with me as well. Those negative things and those positive things, those hang. 
I was reading a book a few years back. I don't remember who the author was. I apologize. I wish I could reference it, but they made a very powerful point about the power of our words and our encounters. This holds for social media. This holds for everybody on our team. This holds for customers. There's no such thing as a neutral encounter was the challenge that the author laid out. There are no neutral encounters throughout your day. The way you respond to people, your countenance, your demeanor, the things you say online, the things you post, there's no such thing as neutral. Maybe it's funny and entertaining or goofy or silly, or maybe you said something hurtful or harmful. Maybe you called somebody out. And those things all have a huge impact. Our words are not just harmless little neutral things floating around that are here and then gone. They are permanently impactful in ways that we can't necessarily control. Even walking past somebody, let's say you're at a live event, the way you conduct yourself, is your face in your phone the whole time or are you engaging, having conversations? That's why every time I speak at the opening of one of our events, I encourage people how they're going to interact. I tell them specifically, like, hey, these are the things you need to do. Don't keep your face in your phone. Here's some questions you need to ask. And let's all give each other permission to ask and answer these questions the entire time we're here. And I'll give very specific questions. One of my favorites is, how's business? Right? So don't just sit there and be lost in your own little world, communicating, I'm too good for this event. I don't even really want to be here. I'm exhausted. No, communicate. I'm glad I'm here. I can't wait to meet people and move my business forward. How's business? Let's talk. How can I help you? And that takes you into incredible places of leadership and success. It's not that some of us are born leaders and some of us aren't. And those of us who are leaders need to work on our leadership skill because we were gifted with that. Anybody can be a leader. Again, a leader is just somebody who's helping people towards a good decision. That's one of my favorite definitions of leadership. You're helping people towards making a good decision. That's it. That's what a leader does. Sometimes even sacrificially so helping others make good decisions, using your influence, talking it through. Congratulations. That's what being in business is too. I talked early on in this series about the overlap between business leadership, entrepreneurship, and just pure leadership. There really is no difference. Business success and leadership are the same set of skills. It's the same set of operating principles that you'll be working on. And just as in leadership, in business, Using your words carefully, how you present yourself is vital. It it could be something as practical as this. You know, we all spend a lot of time on Zoom. Here's a very practical Zoom tip. You're on video conferences and there's a whole bunch of tips you could get. I'm sure I don't know all there is to know. I can't say I'm the world's foremost expert on this topic, but I do know that you communicate a whole lot more strength and optimism and positivity and, and confidence when you sit still versus squirming and and rotating. Let's say you've got a, a, a stool that rotates or a chair that rocks, or you've got a pen and you're, you're tapping it or twirling it in your fingers. Don't do that in real life in a meeting or on Zoom, especially because it's so visually distracting and it communicates a lack of confidence. It communicates uh, an inferiority type of position you're not sure if you should be there, that you maybe have other things you'd rather be doing, you're nervous. Those are bad things to communicate. Leaders don't communicate those things. Sit calm, sit, sit still, <laughs> stationary, and look into the camera whenever possible so the people watching the recording or people in, in the video with you, it's like you're looking him in the eye. You're taking the event seriously. 
Those are just some little tips. Again, this whole series is designed to make you more money, to make you more successful in business, to make you the better leader that you could and should be in order to make those things happen. These leadership skills that translate directly to e-commerce, that's what I'm trying to help you with. As a reminder, this isn't just how Jim feels about the world. These are all very practical tips that will help you grow your business larger, help you attract better partners and relationships in business, and ultimately put more money in your pocket as you gain influence and authority. That's why I'm going through this series. And those of you who have sent me the feedback so far, I really appreciate it because these are fun topics for me to address. Now, you know how much I enjoy referencing Hebrew wisdom, ancient Jewish biblical wisdom, when it comes to these type of important topics. And there's a lot there. And I won't derail too far, but I want to make sure that you realize there's a really cool, what's the operating principle, I guess you could say, in the Hebrew language where this doesn't work in English, but it does work in Hebrew in all cases. So in English, if we have a word that's the same word used in different contexts, there's not necessarily a connection between those different contexts. And I'll give you an example. So the word flush, right? It could be a card hand. And if you play poker, right, you've got a flush, a royal flush, or it could be that your face is turning a little red and you're, you're a little embarrassed and you're, you look flush, or, you know, you could flush a toilet, <laughs> right? Or you could be flush with cash. You know, that's a word that's like, okay, what, you know, there's many different, and there's no connection between those different meanings, right? There's several different uses for that word in English, but there's not necessarily a connection. Not so in Hebrew. In Hebrew, if a word is used in two different places with different meanings, there's a connection between those two concepts that needs to be discovered and explained. And it can be. Many, many examples of that. One of my favorite examples is money and blood, for example. Money, exchange of currency, and blood. That substance that we need to stay alive. What do money and blood have to do with each other? Not to derail too much, but just as one of the great examples. When money circulates and moves, that's life and health. When it's just sitting in a pile, maybe buried in a bucket in your backyard, it's doing nothing. That's, that's bad. It's worthless. It has to be circulating. We keep our blood in banks because it's fungible. It's exchangeable. It's interchangeable. You can take blood from one person with typo and put in another person with typo. It's fungible. You can move it around. Same thing with money. So a lot of the concepts between money and blood connect once you start thinking it through. Hebrew language has understood that since the beginning of Hebrew language. Well, one of the other words that does this, and I don't know the word. I probably should have looked it up. You can do your homework if you'd like. I love learning these lessons from my good friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. One of the other words that does this is the word for word. The word for word in Hebrew. I don't know what it is. Some of our Jewish friends will probably know instantly. But it's also the, the same word that's used for bees. Bees. The word for word. Now, why would the word for word and the word for bees be similar? Well, that's because if you think about it, Words can either sting or they can produce honey. They can either do great, permanent, in some cases, life-threatening damage. If you happen to be allergic to bees, you know how serious that can be. It can be pretty serious stuff. Or it can be a source of life and strength. And and the Bible speaks frequently about what a blessing honey is. You know, honey is the only food, if you didn't know, that doesn't spoil, hasn't eaten. A shelf life of forever. You can put it in a bottle, set it on a shelf, and get it 100 years from now. It's fine. Eat it. 
It's pretty incredible. So the qualities of honey, amazing. The deadliness of a sting, especially if you're allergic, of a bee sting, wow, that's great. And it's both produced from bees. Words have that same amount of power. Isn't that a cool lesson? That's one of the reasons I love studying Hebrew. Again, regardless of your worldview, that is an amazing, precise language that's so full of incredible, timeless, time-tested lessons. And if you're not convinced on that, please go back and listen to podcast episode zero. I really dive into that timeless wisdom, regardless of your worldview. There's a longitudinal study. World history is a longitudinal study, which means a study over a long period of time of these concepts, and they just keep proving over and over and over again how consistent they are, how accurate they are, how timeless they are. That's the principles I'm talking about when I reference biblical wisdom. Okay, so let's talk about the next topic. And this is one that sometimes people get a little nervous or uncomfortable with, but that's okay. We're all adults here. You can handle it. You don't have to agree with me. It actually doesn't bother me at all if you disagree with me. I can't overemphasize that point as I begin this segment because it's easy to be misunderstood when you take a stand on the topic I'm about to bring up. The topic I'm about to bring up is profanity. Okay, here we go, Jim. Bible-believing Christian against profanity. Didn't see that coming. Well, Let's talk about it very practically, if you will. Setting aside all worldviews, setting aside all other possible angles that you might come at this from. I've never met that person. Maybe you have. I don't know that person who would boldly use profanity in front of a group of, say, six to eight-year-olds. Do you? Like it's present your parent in the kindergarten class day and you go in there and just rattle off a string of profanity. Now, why is that not okay? I think we could all kind of make a pretty decent case for why that's not okay and inappropriate. Well, in an era where we're creating content and we're putting things on the internet and we're saying things that are captured and permanently a part of our reputation and who we are and what we stand for, I would argue that one of the things we communicate if we integrate profanity into our message is, hey, listener, not only do I not care if your child is with you consuming this content right now, I really don't have a problem with kids hearing profanity. So deal with it. You figure it out. It's not my problem that you're trying to raise your kid without exposing them to to words and concepts that they're not ready for yet. That's your problem. Deal with it. Do you really want to communicate that? And that's one of, I've got a list of about 10 or 12 things. I'm not going to go into all of them now. I actually had an entire podcast episode on just this topic of why For whatever positive arguments you want to make about profanity, if you're going to be a leader, if you want to earn more money in business, if you want to have better partnerships and relationships, you're far better off to eliminate and limit profanity versus going all in on it. Now, the popular exception to the rule that people love to throw out there is like, hey, what about this person? What about that person? They use a ton of profanity and their business is doing great. I'm not saying you can't do well. I'm saying you diminish your odds. If you're going to go down that path, you better be really good. You better be one of the absolute most dynamic, top performing, make the crowd laugh, make the crowd cry, and personality styles that's okay with everything revolving around you, which isn't the kind of leadership style I'm interested in. But you better have that dynamic, the world revolves around me, and everyone's there to see you because you are the show. Profanity can work. In that environment, 
as long as you're okay knowing that there's a whole bunch of people that will be turned off by your message. But yeah, you can attract a lot of people who aren't concerned as well. But none of those people are going to be consuming your content boldly with their 10-year-old in the backseat of the car while they listen to the podcast on a road trip, let's say, right? Most responsible parents I know wouldn't do that. If it's a string of profanity every time this guy talks, why would you want to listen to that in front of your kids and have them representing your family using those words boldly? It just doesn't make any sense. So I've got an episode, I'll stick it in the show notes where I really dive into this. And just to be clear, it's not a matter of not offending me. It really, it doesn't offend me. It tells me more about you. It exposes who you are. It exposes what standards you uphold. And that's fine. I don't hold that against anyone ever. It's not a matter of not offending me or not offending someone. It's a matter of what type of person do you want to communicate that you are? What kind of thoughts do you want to have in your listeners as they're consuming your content? What kind of distractions do you want to possibly place in the mind of like a parent, let's say, who's got their kid with them listening to your content? And there's many other points that I make on that topic. I'll stick a link, like I said, in the show notes. But I just want to challenge you to give it, give it some serious thought. And if you're all in on it, that's great. Good for you. Go for it. I hope it plays out well for you. I hope it does really, really well. If profanity is, is a significant and integral part of what you feel like you need to present to the world, go for it. But I am telling you that there are a whole lot of people, when I've posted about this on Facebook and started discussions, man, I've gotten hundreds of responses at times from people who say, yeah, I, I choose not to consume content where the presenter feels it necessary to prove how authentic they are by dropping profanity constantly. It, it grates on me. I can't listen to it with my kids around. I don't want to have to have a filter on constantly to keep those kind of thoughts and ideas out of my head. I don't want to be thinking about those disgusting images. So yeah, I just, I, I pass. I'll find someone else. A lot of people feel that way. And I've never met the people, not to beat this horse too much here, <laughs> but I've never met those people that say, yeah, I would like that guy more, but man, he just, he never uses any profanity. So I just, I can't, I can't consume his content anymore. There's just not enough profanity there for me. I've never met those people. Maybe they exist, but I have met a bunch of people who say the other types of things. Like I just can't consume that content. So I'll stick a link to, uh, uh, like I said, a full podcast episode on that topic alone where I, where I spend some time breaking down. At least you can make an informed decision on which side of the fence you want to fall on that subject of how you lead. Now you consume whatever content you want. That's great. But I would argue as well, well, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to let you make your own decision, but I would encourage you, please go listen to that podcast episode. This isn't a moral case for why you should use only the proper words. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm making a case for putting more money in your pocket by choosing to eliminate profanity from your vocabulary. Unless you're one of those rare exceptions of those spotlight-worthy entertainers again, that I don't spend a whole lot of time listening or paying attention to. I just don't. I choose not to. I'm one of the people that doesn't because I don't want those images in my mind. But they are the exception to the rule. A lot of people derail their careers. They push away great potential partners and prospects and people who would love to work with them otherwise, but they're they're put off. The same way you might be put off if you went to dinner with somebody trying to kind of get to know them and they chew with their mouth open. It's like, okay, that's cool. You be you, but gross, kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to see that. It's, it's not like I think less of you as a human now, but next time I have a chance to go to dinner, I might not be with you, if you know what I'm saying. That's the, the kind of response that you'll get from a lot of people where you'll have a small handful of people who will say, oh, that's just so authentic, chewing your mouth with your food, chewing your food with your mouth open. It's authentic. It's real. That's how animals do it. You know, that's great. 
Okay, cool. You be you. All right, enough on that subject. Let's keep it moving. I've mentioned this before on other podcast episodes, and many of these lessons I've actually talked about and integrated throughout and kind of woven throughout. But this has to do with, again, presenting optimism, presenting positivity, not out of a sense of, well, I never say anything negative. I just always pretend like everything's okay. No, you've got to actually be an optimistic person. You've got to actually have a positive outlook on life. And that's not a choice you can just make. Again, if you're not sure how to do this, you might pause right here. Like, how do I go from being kind of having a negative outlook? This is irrelevant. Circumstances are irrelevant here. We could all find plenty of things in any given day to get ourselves depressed and worked up and worried and, and you know, discouraged about. Any of us, even the greatest optimists who've ever lived, could say, you know what, today I think I'm going to focus on only the negative things and all the things that could go wrong and all the things I probably should be afraid of that I'm not necessarily afraid enough of yet, and I'm going to make today as miserable as possible. Any of us could do that anytime we wanted to. Just as easily as any of us could, actually it's a little more difficult, I would say, because that's kind of our default setting is to drift into worry and fear and doubt and discouragement and uncertainty. All those all those things, by the way, are very contagious, especially if you post them publicly and you say them. <laughs> They're cont- and they also push people away. Not only are they contagious, but they send people kind of running away from you, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, socially, just kind of drifting and distancing. You know, the whole misery loves company, not for very long. They just kind of want to go crawl away and curl up in a ball and by themselves. And, you know, you don't find groups of people just kind of hanging out miserable together and enjoying it. It was a rather great time. We all just complained the whole time about how miserable the world is. It was a good time. You just don't see that. Relationships aren't born out of that. But you can't decide to be an optimist. So here's my challenge. I might have you pause here and think about it. If you've never heard me say it before, what is the trigger that makes you optimistic. There's a trigger. It's a psychological trigger. Trigger. It's in the Bible. It's in modern psychology. Many people who do counseling will use this as an exercise. We've had speakers at our events talk to us about the power of starting your day with this. What is it? How do you make yourself, and again, regardless of circumstances, characterized by optimism? What do you do? So pause here. Think about it. There's a one-word answer. And that will be the trigger that will put you in a state of optimism because you can't just decide to be optimistic. You can't do it. You can't just say, I'm going to flip a switch today and now I'm an optimist. I used to be a pessimist, but not anymore. No, there's something you have to do that you can make a decision to do that will lead you into an optimistic state of mind. And I'm going to assume you paused it. I gave you plenty of warning. The word is gratitude. You need to be filled with gratitude. I would even put this challenge out there. All of us slip up sometimes. We say something negative. We post something negative. We say something that's a bit of a downer, that's going to ruin someone's day if they see it, that's going to discourage others from moving forward, et cetera. How many other times you do that, you need to spend at least five or 10 time more time with encouragement, positivity, something that's uplifting, realizing just how blessed we are to live in the day we do. I will argue anybody and I will win the debate that the day we live in right now is the best time in human history to launch or grow a business, for example. I will bury you with facts and data. You can be as negative as you want to be. And I will bring out hundreds of examples from our community, for example. That's what this podcast is. Hundreds of recent examples of people who are less qualified than you, who had less advantages, less startup capital than you, less education than you, 
less intelligent, although I doubt we're ever going to expose that too much. But just you get you get my point. They had fewer advantages and they've built an amazing business. And they're on this incredible trajectory and they're getting multiple income streams and they're excited and they're attracting partners and they're positive and they're optimistic. And yes, Amazon slaps them in the head from time to time, but they figure out a way around over or under that circumstance. They plow forward. They stay creative. They're building something beautiful. These are people characterized with gratitude. And if you're going to be a leader who attracts the right kind of people, you're going to have to stay in that state of optimism, which means you're going to have to be characterized by gratitude in the things you say, the things you post, how you present yourself. Because if you present yourself the other way, you're not going to attract the kind of people that take you forward into a better place. You're just not going to. To borrow some examples from, my again, my good friend, Rabbi Daniel Appen, I love when he talks about this subject because he says, think about it for a moment and try to decide if you're an optimist or a pessimist. And if you're, if you're not sure how you're characterized and presenting yourself to the world, you have to think about it, you know, scratch your chin and think, hmm, am I, an, am I characterized by being positive or am I characterized by being negative? He said, here's the one thing we know about you. If you have to take a, a moment to think and consider, you are a, I think he says something like a million megawatt beaming lighthouse of negativity and you just don't realize it <laughs> because, and here's why, because to be an optimist, to intentionally be grateful and to stay in a state of gratitude and to then present optimism as a leader in business, in life, with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, that takes so much work. And I specifically remember I had a great conversation with one of the tremendous coaches on our team, Leah, when I interviewed her. Yeah, her episode was very popular. We had a great time and I've interviewed her a couple times for the show. Uh, and I congratulated her on this because she's, she calls herself obnoxiously optimistic, right? Something like that. And, and I said, that's not something you just stumble into. That's not a personality trait. You have to intentionally maintain a state of gratitude because the default setting for all of us is to drift into negativity and being a downer and all the reasons why it's not going to work. But that state of obnoxious optimism has served her very well. I mean, she's got a, a six-figure per month Amazon business that's running virtually on autopilot. And she's a great coach on her team and a great leader in her community, creating cool content, speaking at our event. She did a great job for us, right? So it's not an accident for you to present yourself in that way. That's the point I want to make. And if you're struggling with it, gratitude. Start each day, if possible, the things you're grateful for. Well, Jim, I don't have anything to be grateful for. Well, you're not trying very hard then because you're a thinking, breathing human with possibilities that are endless. You could set your life on a different trajectory towards positive change at any point in time you want to. What a gift. Start there. Did your last breath work? Yes. Okay. Be grateful for that, right? We, we shouldn't have to stretch too far to come up with a list of many things we're grateful for. Start thinking about the people in your life, the things that you're blessed to have been prevented, the disasters that almost happened that didn't, the things you've overcome, the things you've learned, the people you've met. And if you're struggling to get more gratitude in your life, man, I would sure encourage you spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in prayer. One of my favorite prayers be still and know that I am God. Hey, just remember who's in, church, who's in charge up there. It's a great scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Just sit back, relax, and think for a moment and think of all the things that God has in motion. The world's not revolving around you. There's a lot going on that you can be grateful for and take advantage of and enjoy. 
because we have a good God. All right, let's move on in our, in our conversation. And I, I think I've got a, a good ending point for us here. This is a quote, you've probably heard it before. If you haven't, it's something that really moved me when I first heard it. Again, I thought, man, that is so good. And you'll find yourself kind of classifying people in your mind. And you've been doing it all along, but you'll do it even with more intention now after I say this. And it's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. Again, you may have heard it before, but let's spend a moment thinking about, about this. It's powerful stuff. She says, great minds think about ideas. Average minds think about events. And small minds think, talk about people. This is what you talk about. Great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events. Small minds talk about people. Isn't that good? And I, I have adapted it a little bit because I've, I've seen it many places and many times. I've spent some time thinking about it. I like to say, yes, great minds talk about ideas. I completely agree. Average minds talk about events or things, stuff, you know, and that's okay. We do a lot of time planning our, our annual live event. And we all like talking about, you know, yeah, I got this new car, man, check it out. This is great to be talking about. But are you characterized by only talking about and focusing on that? Great minds spend a lot of time talking about ideas and thinking through ideas. How does this idea apply to my life? This whole thing that Jim said today about gratitude, is that something I need to work on? So that, would that make me more optimistic? You spend time thinking about those kind of life-changing concepts and how to apply it to your life. You listen to deep thinking type of uh, podcasts and people that challenge you and people with slightly different worldviews than you. And why do they have that view? Does it make sense? Should I move in that direction? Right? You're open to thinking about ideas and talking about ideas instead of events and things all the time. Or worse yet, we call it gossip. Small minds talk about people. And I would put, and this is where I make a little edit to Eleanor's quote here, small minds talk about people. Well, I think that includes yourself as well. So if you're following leaders or people you think are leaders, people you find kind of entertaining, maybe it's a kind of a train wreck type of leader. You like watching the disasters unfurl. Move away from those people. Are they talking about people all the time? calling people out. Somebody needs to call this guy out. And I can't believe he did this, she did that, blah, blah. Like, you know, the drama of it. That is small-minded territory. That is not making you a better leader. You will not make more money. You will not influence more people towards making better decisions. You will not be a leader if you spend time talking about and focused on people and their problems, talking about them specifically around behind their back. If they're not there, you shouldn't be saying it. And I said in an early, earlier version of this series, I think this is what the fourth episode we've done of this leadership series. You can scroll back in time, recent podcast episodes. All four episodes, by the way, including this one, are within the past, let's say, 20 or 30 episodes. You can scroll back and see them. But one of the things I said is there's never a good time to call somebody out publicly in front of tens of thousands of people in, say, a Facebook group. It's just so immature. Right? It doesn't matter what the occasion is or what the cause is. It's just so, you're, because you're communicating, I don't have the maturity to confront people the way it's supposed to be done privately and ensure that I've got all the facts and information. I'd rather just say something publicly and put them on defense in front of the entire audience. <laughs> like, really? It's just tragic. It's tragic, whether they deserve it or not. That's why we've, you know, in 20 years, I've never done that to somebody because I was raised, there's a biblical principle and we use this in our own Facebook group, confront people privately, praise them publicly, confront privately, praise publicly. 
it's an easy principle to live by. It really is. So keep the circle as small as possible when you have somebody that you need to confront. Don't be afraid to confront people. Absolutely not. But shoot them a text and say, hey, you know, I, I kind of need to talk. I want to get straight on something. I'm a little confused here. Could we talk soon? And say, hey, here's the things I understand. Is this true? Could I hear your side of it? it rather than just calling them out publicly, that's disastrous. And that's, that's just one example of small minds like to talk about people. And I've referenced, again, in this series, uh, that book that I'm writing about the different kinds of audiences that you can attract. And I would put the, um, you know, the, the guys that are just authentically using profanity, right? That, that's a certain kind of audience. I would call that almost a train wreck audience. Because you remember the audience is identified, and uh, this is the book that I'm writing about leading with depth in the shallow waters of the social media age, right? So the different kinds of audiences that you can attract. One of them is what I call a train wreck audience. That's the kind of audience you attract when you kind of slightly twist the news to make it sound a little worse than it is. And you present the facts and data in such a way to scare people and make them nervous and scared and get people all worked up. Fear is a great magnet. I mean, (laughs) that's why everybody's so addicted to the news of the day. On a planet of 7 billion people today, guess what? Almost all of us lived our lives and loved our families and did great things. But there's a tiny fraction of people, 0.0000001% of the people today did really stupid things. Let's talk about that for hours. (laughs) And we all watch, right? You can attract an audience talking about people and what they did and the dumb things and mistakes they made and just the tragic, the negativity. That's what I call a train wreck audience. It's like that lizard brain fodder. And you can attract a decent audience, but they're very fickle. As soon as something bigger, scarier happens, they're gone. It's not you that they're there for. It's the the dopamine hit from being afraid and seeing the, the bad news and hearing who did what to who. Very fickle. The other kind of audience is if you're very entertaining. And some people would put leaders, good leaders in that category. I don't consider myself to be that way. I have no desire to be entertaining. But you can be entertaining, funny, you know, play a musical instrument well, present your ideas in a format that makes people laugh, cry, and feel emotion. That's great. That That's another kind of leadership. That's difficult. The best kind of community, the best kind of group to form and be a part of, in my opinion, is a group that's focused around an idea, a concept. You're heading in a similar direction. Like this podcast, the people that listen to this show, they're not here for me. I'm fully aware of that. And I would be very scared if it ever became that. I want to be a part of a group of other people of integrity, of devotion to their families, building businesses of their dreams so they can serve their spouse and their kids better, be better neighbors in their community, do things the right way, influence and have time to volunteer for the things they love and believe in. And we're all kind of live on our own lives, but we're there together to support each other in those journeys. We're not here for the train wreck of the day. Oh, who did something stupid today? Let's make fun and pile on them. We're not here to be entertained. You know, who's going to sing today in the group? Nobody cares, <laughs> right? You can get that anywhere. You can go watch funny YouTube videos if you want. You can go be entertained, you know, watch a TV show or something. That's great. Yeah, well, you can find that other places. We're not competing with that. We're building something that takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more integrity and time to develop, but it's a community of people who are using the internet creatively to launch and grow the businesses of their dreams, multiple income streams, supporting each other in that. There's many other ways to grow a group like that. And that's the most valuable kind of group of the three groups that I've seen develop over time. 
That's the least fickle. That's the longest term type of group you can be associated with. And that's what I'd like to think that we're growing around here. So thanks for hanging out with me today. This stretched on the theme, again, that we remind you was the power of your words, how you communicate, how you present yourself online and in real life. And we have such an incredible opportunity every day. I think I'll remind you just one last time, one of the points that I made today, there's no such thing as a neutral encounter. Never. There's never a neutral, meaningless encounter. Every one of them. You could have been a little more positive. You could have been a little more encouraging. You could have said something kind. And the fact that you didn't, or maybe you had a negative scowl on your face, mind your countenance, mind the expression that's on your face, because you could be communicating hopelessness and despair into someone's life without even realizing it, just by the expression you carry. Pretty incredible thought, isn't it? It's challenging. No neutral encounters. There aren't any. You don't get to try to make it that way because it's impossible. You can't do it. You have the chance to really pour into other people's lives in countless ways every single day. So don't be that beaming lighthouse of negativity thinking you're just neutral. There's no such thing as neutral. You're either working really hard to present positive leadership, optimism, moving forward, helping people make better decisions in their life, or you're a beaming lighthouse of negativity. What's it going to be? Let's head in the right direction together. God bless you, business building warrior. It's been great hanging out with you today. Truly is an honor to do these episodes. Thanks for listening. Like I said, this was a little bit longer than I'd planned on, but I think I made some decent points today, hopefully challenged you. And if you think I'm nuts, that's great. Write me, tell me, hey, Jim, you spent too much time on this, or I just totally skipped when you said this or that. I'm fine. I love having those conversations. I don't need everyone to agree with me. If I need to make a stronger case on any of the points I've made, I certainly will. The things I referenced that will be in the show notes today, those will all be there for you, along with information on how to jump into our community, our free Facebook group. If you're ready to start building a business, our Amazon training is tremendous. $29 a month, provenamazoncourse.com is where you can go to get that. But today, I just want to spend some time encouraging you, fellow business building warrior. You are a warrior leader. Don't forget it. Lead well, my friend. We'll have another great episode very soon. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode, for hanging out with us. Before I let you go, I'm going to spend a few minutes with one of my good friends, Jeff Schick. He is our preferred legal advisor around here when it comes to all things Amazon legal. And we're going to do these short segments once a week or so. Jeff, what's the topic you've got for us today? All right. So a common question that I get from sellers, new and experienced. In fact, I had it on one of my calls today. They said, what is the chance that I'm going to be permanently suspended from Amazon? Mind you, this is a seller who has a healthy account. They're in the green. They're above 200 as their score. In fact, I think they're in the 300s. So not a small seller by any means and definitely not anywhere near the unhealthy category. And they're asking, are they going to be permanently suspended from Amazon? Yeah, so, and we hear this so, a lot from, from people who are considering an Am- growing an Amazon business. Amazon has this reputation. And I think they've it's probably their own fault because... They call it a suspension, for example, when you're trying to get set up a new account and you haven't supplied all the information they need yet. They need another copy of your driver's license or whatever. So they suspend you until they get what they need. So everyone's like, oh, I got suspended on Amazon. Like, yeah, everybody does for a few hours when you're trying to sign up for your account, right? So suspension's everywhere. but, But this idea of a permanent suspension, I love this question. How would you answer that? So the answer to that is it's extremely rare for somebody to be permanently suspended. In fact, you almost have to try <laughs> to, to get it that to happen. Now that's not to say that you know there haven't been cases. I mean, you know, 
I've got a case right now with one of the sellers where they were suspended and they said that point blank to me, they said, we don't care to ever sell on Amazon again. We just want all of our money back. And, you know, we took the case and we reached out to Amazon's attorneys and we, you know, I said, once we tell them that, they're going to take your word for it. And, and the seller says, I don't care. I just want my money back. And so we let them know. And they said, okay, you know, we were going to, you know, work with you, but if they don't care, then we'll write you a check sure. for all of their money and sure. release all their inventory. And right. so they, they did get what they wanted. Are they permanently suspended? I mean, yes. Probably because that's force. what they requested. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I tell people all the time, Jeff, you know, we've, we've been teaching Amazon seller strategies for 12 plus years at this point, thousands and thousands of students. And I can still count on one hand, the number of people that I know that, well, I, I put it this way. I'm scratching my head like, hmm, they got suspended. I'm not sure exactly why. And in a few of those cases, I found out later, well, they, they just kind of gave up, kind of like the client you just mentioned. But in the vast majority of cases, you know, I, I'm fond of saying 95% of the time, maybe you have a different number in your mind, it's a non-issue fairly quickly. It could take some days or weeks sometimes, right? So maybe speak to that. Like if we take that worst case scenario off the table, what are some of those other inconvenient circumstances that people might find themselves in if they get on the wrong side of Amazon's policy? It, it's So, I mean, it, it it certainly can be inconvenient. And I don't want to downplay it at all because when you go through a suspension, it's, it's de- downright devastating. I still remember when I was in law school and I got suspended on Amazon and it was a two, it was two weeks of torture because I, you know, you're sitting there, they're holding, you know, at the time for me, they were holding $195,000 of money and I had a $175,000 American Express bill due. So it was, it was the most stressful, you know, two weeks of my life. Well, we were fortunate that I was able to get reinstated very quickly and, you know, I hadn't, we hadn't done anything wrong. So it was a mistake on Amazon's part and got a nice little apology email and they actually did wire the funds to us the next day. So instead of making us wait for a normal payout and send it by EFT, they actually did send the money by wire transfer. And they can be very human for a huge company that's doing billions they of dollars a month, right? <laughs> right. So, but, you know, obviously that's an extreme example. So what is it, you know, what does a typical suspension look like? It's usually not that long. It's usually, you know, if, if we're, you know, if we're lucky, I've had suspensions that we've reinstated accounts in 20 minutes. That's probably by no means the average, but that's, you know, the record so far is that's happened twice now that they've been reinstated in 20 minutes. I'd say usually you're looking at a couple hours to a couple days, just depending on what the severity of the issue is and how many moving parts there are. But at the end of the day, Amazon doesn't want people to be suspended because a suspended account doesn't generate money for Amazon. In fact, it costs them money because now they've got to deal with your inventory. And yes, they're going to debit your funds, but that's, that's not like when they keep your money, it's being held in trust. It's in an escrow account. It's not money that they're earning interest on. It's not being used for operating. They're not investing in a robot. Like That money's being set aside as a liability on their balance sheet. And it's certainly by no means an asset. And so they don't want people's money. They're doing that because of the potential you know, risk mitigation that they have to incur. So at the end of the day, you know, we've seen Amazon this past year be extremely human. I think you know, as of now, almost every account suspension we've worked on has been reinstated. There's only... Yeah, that's an interesting there. statistic. You know, you've worked on a good number of accounts. I don't know if you're at liberty to share how many, but you, what is your ratio? What's your success rate? I, it'd be north of, it'd be probably north of 98%. But, you know, again, that 98%, it's sometimes, you know, it may take 
a couple months to get there on certain sure. accounts that have major, major problems. Right. So, but that's the exception, not the norm. So. I love it. Well, and from my vantage point, again, just so folks know that are listening or watching this today, you're the most experienced guy with the most integrity and validation from my vantage point at doing what you do. So we're thrilled to have you in this community. And I think this short little episode, now there's always more that we can share. Maybe we'll do it in another segment soon about some of the specific behaviors and things that people need to watch out for. But just knowing that Unless you're one of the really, really bad guys that's really trying, like you're trying to sell Nike shoes up with knockoffs you brought in from China and, and you know, you're just really going in deep, right. violating serious policies on purpose. As long as you're not one of those guys, you, you're just kind of innocently making some mistakes. The vast majority of the time, you're going to be okay. Correct. That's and, good to know. And it's, uh, most of it's recoverable. And it's, I mean, you know, for the, especially for the innocent people. I don't think we've ever had a case where someone was innocent and they didn't get back on. Yeah. The cases that are, you know, the cases where people didn't get back on, yeah, obviously. They knew they were taking the, into play, they were rolling the dice uh, and they knew it. Yes. And so that's, you know, it, 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 it happens. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I really trying to avoid fear. And then I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I just passed my four year anniversary of when I became a licensed attorney. And literally the first day I became an attorney was when I worked on my first Amazon case in the attorney client role. And so I've been doing, I've been handling Amazon suspensions now for four years. And congratulations. I, I love it. Yeah. There's yeah. only one other attorney in the space, uh, up in, you know, CJ that has, has done as many, you know, suspensions as I have. So well, it's fun. Well, well done, man. We're thrilled to work with you and, and you've been at our events and many people in our community begin to rely on you. You have a great monthly retainer program. Why don't you explain that for a moment and folks can go check that out on your website. Yeah. So after I got suspended back when I was you know, in law school, immediately I started calling people and it was like thousands of dollars here, thousands of dollars there. You know, one guy who wasn't a lawyer quoted me $15,000 to get my account back. And when I asked him what was his chance of success, he said he, he couldn't guarantee any sort of results. So of course, I, you know, being the stubborn law student I was, I figured out how to do it myself. So when I was when I was suspended, I really you know came up with this idea that we needed to have high quality, affordable uh, attorneys in the space because it just it didn't exist. And so um, that's really where I came up with this idea behind it. So it's eighty nine dollars a month. You can talk to me. You can talk to my paralegals anytime. You schedule calls with us. We're happy to walk you through issues you know on a proactive basis, so that way you don't get in trouble. And then also we're there to help you on the reactive side if you do. Uh, you don't pay anything extra. So anything that happens on Amazon or Walmart, uh, you're covered. And we take care of it for you from you know A to Z so that you don't have to worry about it. And that's phenomenal because I know in this industry, there's a good number of players and they'll, they'll charge you thousands of dollars to handle some of the circumstances that you're, you cover. So Absolutely. I really want to encourage folks to go to, we'll stick it in the show notes as well, but go to Jeff Schick's website, jeffschick.com. There's a link in the show notes. And Check out this offer. We don't get, we're not getting paid a percentage of this to promote it. I'm promoting it because it's awesome. We use it. A lot of people on our team are using it. Once your account hits a certain size, it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like buying insurance. You know, it's like, hey, I, I can just, I can sleep better at night knowing that I've got a true pro on call if needed, if anything does happen. But I think you're going to put a lot of people at ease uh, with today's discussion, man. That was a great topic. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll do it again real soon. Talk to you then. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio.
Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.